I am thrilled to have a conversation with Trent England. He is the executive vice president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. He is also an author at The Federalist, and uh, he is out there working to protect the Electoral College votes um, to bring light to the national popular vote. And it's very timely because uh, we're, we're, we've got that front and center here in Colorado. So Trent England, welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, just last week in the Complete Colorado, uh, they, uh, Mike Krause had written an excellent piece, The National Popular Vote Opponents here in Colorado turned in over 227,000 signatures to try to repeal um, the National Popular Vote out here in Colorado. Trent England, it's in very important to push back on this national popular vote. Why do you think so? Well, the national popular vote interstate compact has two big problems. One is that it, it is effectively a repeal of the Electoral College, which, uh, which I mean, we could talk about just how important the Electoral College is to our, to our country, to our political stability, to the integrity of presidential elections. Uh, that's one problem with national popular vote. The other problem is that it probably wouldn't even work. You know, even for people who don't like the Electoral College, this is the most half-baked, you know, Rube Goldberg scheme type way to, to get around the Electoral College uh, that, you know, that, that even for people who, who want to do that, this is a really, really dangerous way to do it. So, uh, I mean, Colorado is right there at the forefront of pushing back on national popular vote and uh, deserves, deserves the thanks of the rest of the country for it. Well, and the two people, uh, again, go to Complete Colorado to see this piece, um, is uh, Mesa County Commissioner Rose Puglisi and Monument Mayor Don Wilson. And in Colorado, we have a unique situation in our Constitution that if uh, uh, something is put through on the legislature, through the legislature, and it uh, is not for, doesn't have the safety clause, the safety clause is put in because, and they say that this needs to go into law immediately, because it's for the safety and um, well-being of the people of Colorado. And they have overused that on a lot of things, but there was no way that they could actually make the case in passing the national popular vote needed to have the safety clause in there. So since it didn't, that meant that if we got enough signatures, if the people got enough signatures, that we could actually vote on that particular law. And by gosh, uh, I can't believe it. Or I guess I can. When you put Rose Puglisi and Mayor Don Wilson together, uh, they accomplished, they got 227,000 signatures. I think they needed about 120 to 130. And so yeah. it looks to us like that's going to be on the ballot this uh, in 2020. Well, and, and my understanding is that what, what happened in the legislature, as you say, they overused the safety clause. I, I grew up in Washington State, same thing out there, same law, uh, same shenanigans played by the legislature all the time. My understanding what what happened in Colorado is that some of the Democrats in the legislature weren't really that excited about voting for national popular vote. And they said, look, the only way you're going to get our vote is if you don't put a safety clause on it. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the things we've seen around the country is the national popular vote campaign does not want people to vote on this. Uh, they kept it off the ballot in Oregon. They they kept it off the ballot in Ohio. Um, they don't believe that they're that they can win at the ballot box, which is why they they only do this through legislatures. They don't do it as a citizens' initiative anywhere. Uh, even though they claim it's really popular, 
And uh, this, we've seen this other places. You know, there are, there are a lot of Democrats who who actually are with us on this, who who understand that the Electoral College is important. It's good for their party, forces their party to reach out to a more diverse set of Americans, not just be a party of the urban centers. Um, but obviously in the age of Trump, a lot of these guys have been kind of browbeat into supporting this. You know, because if, you, if, if you don't support national popular vote, then you must support Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think this is what we're going to see at the ballot box. I think there are going to be a lot of Colorado Democrats who are going to vote to repeal national popular vote because at the end of the day, they, you know, they, they get it. This really isn't an ideological issue. It's a question of do we do we want to have states protected in our in our system? Do we want to protect our Constitution? And do we want to keep, you know, some balance in our national politics? Uh, even even a lot of Democrats say yes to to some of those questions. So interesting to see that play out in the legislature. Well, there yeah, all kinds of questions are percolating <laughs> to the top here, Trent. First thing, though, the Electoral College is in the U.S. Constitution, and my understanding is the founders put that in place so that there would be a balance, so that the big population states wouldn't overrun the small population states. So, in essence that there would be a voice. And uh, exp- the way I understand it is, is the number of electors is equal to the number of representatives, uh, which is based on population, plus the senators. So in the senators, every state has two. And so they tried to figure out a way to blend those things together so that uh, the smaller states would also have a voice. Now, I hope you're going to say I'm correct because I hate to be wrong, but it, <laughs> am I close? So that, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. I, I tell people you, you can think of the Electoral College as a pop-up Congress. It's exactly, the math is exactly the same as Congress, right? Every state has, has just as you described, you know, electoral votes for their two senators and then for however members of the, many members of the House they have. So, you know, every state starts off with at least three, but then, you know, bigger states get a boost. Uh, but uh, it, it, it is, I mean, when they talked about it at the Constitutional Convention, they considered all kinds of ideas, including some really harebrained schemes to, to elect a president. But basically, there were three ideas. One was uh, have Congress elect a president. Uh, one was have a direct popular election, a national popular vote. And the other was an electoral college. And James Madison said, look, we, we don't want the president to be beholden to another group of politicians. So we don't want Congress to do it. But we also don't want the presidency to be dominated by one or two big population centers in the country or, or the biggest states, the biggest cities. We want that geographic balance that you talked about. And, and I mean, James Madison said this in the debate. It's, it's written down. It's really accessible uh, for, for people to go and, and find this. Madison said, look, you know, sort of in, in theory, I'd be all for a popular vote, but we can't do that because we can't let big population centers control everybody else. And so they, they took the middle path. They, they used the electoral college system, which, which respects people voting in states, especially the way it works today, right? It's, you know, we, we all get to vote in all of our states. So it's got the, the popular vote element within states. But we use the math of, of Congress. We use this intermediate step to make sure that we that we keep the election in the states and represent people through the states. And uh, and, and yeah, this is you know 
this is what they talked about at the Constitutional Convention, and all these things still apply today. Well, they do. I'm talking with Trent England. He is the executive VP of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. Uh, one question before we go to break, and that is, is if the proponents that want to get rid of the Electoral College wanted to do so, there is a way to do that in the Constitution. There's a way to do that constitutionally, and that is the amendment process. And for some reason, they've just, they, they're just they not going that process. Why? Well, it's, it's too hard. I mean, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't get it done through the amendment process. There, there was no way they were going to get an amendment uh, passed out by Congress and no way they're going to get enough states to, uh, to, to create an amendment that way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is their backdoor way to try to kind of sort of change the Constitution without actually following the Constitution. And, I mean, that, you know, yet, yet another problem with it, although it, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's not something, you know, some people say, well, judges would just strike this down. I, I, I don't think that's an easy question uh, to answer. I don't put my faith in judges. You know, I think this is why, you know, we the people in Colorado and in other states have got to stop this uh, in the legislature or as Colorado's doing, you know, stop it at the ballot box next year. Well, it's really amazing, again, that uh, that, this, that has occurred. And if you go to my website, americhicks.com, Jane Cheney has written two excellent pieces regarding the national popular vote. And one of the questions uh, that we that she addressed, and I'd like to go to break here, Trent, and then when we come back, have you talk about that. And that is this argument, this pushback by people that are proponents of the national popular vote. They're saying, hey, we should have in America one vote, one voice. And uh, there, I think that there's a, a good answer to that. I have my idea, but I want to hear what you have to say. So uh, we're going to go to break. This is Kim Munson. I'm talking with Trent England. He is the executive VP of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. We're talking about the national popular vote and the Electoral College, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, we're talking with Trent England. He is the executive vice president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. But Trent, before we get back to you with that question that's hanging out there, Two weeks from tomorrow, Steve, you and Patty and I are going to be out at the 88 Drive-In Theater. We're going to be working the snack bar with Susan Kochevar. I'm practicing. Do you want butter on that popcorn? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Did you get anybody Not else? Not going to pass up the movie butter, uh, the movie popcorn butter. <laughs> you can't, Trent. I tell you, I can't wait to do that. And at this point, I think it's just you and Patty and I will be assisting all right, we'll be we'll be We're backing up everybody out there, Steve. We're going to have to do some arm twisting. We'll have to do some arm twisting, get the rest of the team, huh? So, yeah, Trent England, you know, being a small entrepreneur, our sponsors, they're so important to me. And so we're excited about this. We're going to be going out and serving some movie popcorn at the 88 Drive-In Theater out here in Colorado. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, And speaking of that, Susan Kochevar is a, she's the owner of the 88 Drive-In Theater, and she is a real supporter of the Electoral College, just so you know that. So, Trent England, the question out there that we hear when people push back, they say, one vote, one voice. How do you respond to that? Yeah, there, there, were, there were two revolutions back uh, when our country was created, one here and one in France. And, and the American Revolution was based on the idea that, that people have rights. 
And the French Revolution was based on the idea of that, that, that the people should be in control. Uh, and uh, those things, people mix those things up. People think, well, people have rights, people should be in control. People should be in control, that means people must have rights. Those are, those are two different ideas. And democracy is a great mechanism to, to register the, the will of the people, to keep us in control of government. But as soon as we start saying that all we care about is just one person, one voice, one person, one vote, right, that that's our highest principle, we forget that the whole Bill of Rights is anti-democratic. But the, whole, the, the Bill of Rights is the most anti-democratic part of the Constitution because, it, it, as with all the checks and balances, right, all those things are against democracy because they're based on the idea that the real purpose of government is protecting individual rights and that even as we have elections, what is most important is not that, you know, that my guy wins or not that everybody is mathematically equal in, in the election scheme, but that we actually have a system of government that's able to protect individual rights. And so we, the reason we have things like the United States Senate and like the Electoral College and all these other checks and balances is because we're trying to create a government that while it, it is democratic, and of course the Electoral College is a democratic process, it's just a two-step democratic process, which does mean that sometimes the, the, the most popular votes, don't, they don't dictate the outcome because we have this, this two-step process that filters through the states, but those things are designed to promote ultimately uh, individual rights and individual liberty, and, and sometimes we do that just by providing for political stability because, you know, people can look around the world and across human history, if there's not enough political stability, if there's not enough political unity, that's when governments fall apart and you wind up either with tyranny or with anarchy, and in either case, you're not protecting individual rights. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we have we've really failed to educate a couple of generations of Americans about why our Constitution, just in general, I mean, not even just the Electoral College, but just, you know, why the whole Constitution is important, is essential, uh, if we want to, to keep enjoying the blessings of liberty and safety and prosperity like we, like we have in this country for, uh, you know, well, I mean, really for, for generations and generations. Okay, Trent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here a little bit with you. So if I'm out there, and, and bring me back if need be. But, but that is that the founders, as they were going through this discussion, as they put together the Constitution, and what you mentioned, and this has really been a recent aha for me, uh, because um, what we've put, done out here is uh, I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter, and we started something called Vino and Veritas, a study of the Federalist Papers. And we're meeting at... Uh, that sounds delightful. Uh, I know Tom. He's a wonderful teacher. He is a wonderful teacher. We started at Water's Edge Winery in January, going through the Federalist Papers, and it sold out. So we added one in uh, Castle Rock down in Colorado Cork and Keg, and we still have a few spots there. And I will make a note, in September, he will be talking about slavery. And we did that uh, particular... Uh, study last month at Water's Edge Winery, and you could have heard a pin drop as he went through that. And then my friend Christy came up afterwards, and she said, after going through that whole discussion on slavery with Dr. Cranawitter, she said, I've fallen in love with the whole American idea again. And then we just opened one up in Fort Collins as well. 
So if you're interested in uh, getting in on Vito and Veritas, uh, you can go to my website and you can sign up and we'll get back with get in in touch with you. But Trent, I had always thought about how important the individual was. I thought that America was put in place to value the individual. And so it was a little bit of a shift for me when I realized as we're going through the study that it's actually individuals' rights needed to protect the rights of people. And that was a little nuance that I didn't get until I started doing uh, this study of Vino and Veritas with Dr. Cranowitter. Yeah, that's that's true. It, it's not, and it's individual rights in a in a particular sense that is sometimes hard to hard to wrap our minds around today because you know we we have been educated or miseducated in this country, uh, especially through the 1960s and 1970s, that individual rights mean self-expression really self-creation that people are able to in in this you know this ultimately comes out in things like the transgender movement where you see people who they they want to take ultimate power over themselves and recreate themselves in their own image um, which which as a christian i I find just just terribly tragic Uh, but uh, but but the idea of the founders was that people have certain rights that come not because we're creating ourselves in our own image, but because we are created in an image, uh, and we are created in a way that, that gives us a certain dignity, and that within that we, we have rights uh, to our freedom of conscience, to conscience, to freedom of thought, uh, to to defend ourselves and our families, to to work for an honest living. Um, it really a right to do what is right um, in our in our own way, uh, and and yeah, I mean that's it's so important to understand that because it's not just it's not just a right uh, to to do whatever I want, but it's it's a right to to be in society with other people, and uh, and and be be pursuing the good. And this you know you can we can't do it here, but I, but I love to trace all this back. You can trace all this back through the history of Western thought to Aristotle, and the, the, there's, there's always been this running debate over whether, you know, whether we have individual rights, and, and if we do, what that means about how we should organize society and government. And the, the American founders came up with the most successful answer to those questions uh, as far as creating a government based on individual rights, and, and uh, you know, now we see people who, who want to reconsider all that. Well, and, and I do think, and also as a Christian, you know, we actually, as Christians, we have the freedom of free will. So, and, and you also have that in America. And, uh, and people do have the freedom to, to make these different choices about their lives. And, you know, I kind of feel, Trent, I have my own stuff going on. I can't really you know, be looking at everybody else. I kind of need to take care of my own yeah. house here. <laughs> However, what has now happened is these movements are now being used to uh, take away other people's property rights. And they're saying, if you don't affirm what my choices are, that, that I do whatever I do, if you don't affirm that, then we're going to use the force of public policy, uh, government or, you know, commissions to take away your business and, uh, you know, another inherent right that we're talking about is property rights. And uh, that is uh, something that we need to be really concerned about because when people have special rights, we don't have equal rights. 
Yeah, that that's exactly correct. And when you know when government can come in and tell people, uh, you know, you, you you can only run your business this way or that way. Uh, then, I mean, do we, do we really own our, our property anymore? Do we really own our own labor anymore? Which, you know, takes us back to, to talking about, you know, what, what is and is not slavery. If, if government can, uh, throw you out of work because you don't believe the right thing, uh, no, that's, it's, it's really, it's really troubling. And, and I think, you know, it's another reminder why it's, it's so important to have to have states and to have most of our public policy contained in our states because, you know, at least we can have a place to go, <laughs> another state to go to maybe if, if, if our state, you know, goes too far down the wrong tracks. But, but really, hopefully, um, we, we will see over time that some of these policies are not good policies and, and uh, you know, people don't like them and they interfere with, with uh, people, you know, living together uh, and and uh, operating their own businesses and they can correct themselves. Mm-hmm. But if we force, you know, we nationalize all these things, which is really what you know what some of our friends on the left want to do. They they want you know Elizabeth Warren says we got to get rid of the electoral college and then we can have national voting. We can have the federal government control elections completely. Uh, you know things like that make us. You know, frankly, they make us dumber because we lose the ability to 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 re you know to correct our course on public policy because we don't see hey you know Colorado does it one way but New Mexico does it another way and Kansas does it a different way and you know let's compare how all this works and and then we can maybe adjust our public policy in a better direction uh, if if we if we force that kind of conformity on the country we will lose a, a whole lot. And, you know, part of why we've been so successful as a country is because we've, we've had all these states experimenting with public policy and learning from each other. Well, and we only have about a minute left. Trent England, this has been an absolute fabulous conversation. And this circles back to why we need to protect the Electoral College so that, we continue, so that each state can continue to have their voice in the uh, election of the, the president. And with the national popular vote, we give away Colorado's voices. We give away Colorado's votes to the big population center. And hats off to Rose Puglisi and Don Wilson for getting this uh, these signatures. And it should be on the ballot, hopefully here in 2020. Trent England, you are the executive VP of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. You're doing great work. You write for the Federalist. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Say hi to Tom Cranowitter at your Federalist Paper Seminar. That sounds great. I'll do it.